Good morning, ladies, um, and whoever's going to be listening later to you, gentlemen. Today is Monday, January 30th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm glad to be back on here. 
it, I tell you what, it's it's been tough, guys. Um, I, I've kept the faith and I've kept going strong, but good morning, Cole. Good to see you, brother. I'm back. Um, I was just talking about, we were just getting started. Um, the first song that I played, if anyone's wondering, um, so that way it's said, not just in the live chat, but the music was Sovereign Grace, All of Our Tomorrows. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of rough when you deal with chronic illnesses. And I'm sure, I mean, we've all at least either known somebody or have experienced ourselves. And when you experience chronic illness, um, Jennifer and I shared a wonderful video, and I'll share it um, in Nick Nick's room. I'm going to go ahead and share it now while I'm talking. Um, you know, we, we get to where we can sometimes feel alone. And it's not that I felt alone, but it is very um, isolating at times, you know? it's And it's kind of like how I imagine the, the Christians felt... Um, back in the early times, how they were very isolated in their feelings, but we always have Christ, and Isaiah is a good book that reminds us of that. That's what we're starting today. It's NASB 1977 edition. I'm also going to be re reading from uh, the Founders Bible by uh, David Barton. Brad Cummings and Lance Wobbles are the general editors of that. I'm going to be reading a section, The Remedy for Restoration, Righteous Judges, out of um, the Founder's Bible as well. But we are going to be doing the book of Isaiah for a little bit till we finish it. Um, it's a lot, of, a lot of chapters, so let's just dive in. Isaiah is one of the longest and most important books of the Old Testament. The prophet began his career during a time of relative peace and prosperity under Judah's kings, Uzziah and Jotham. But before long, conditions deteriorated, especially on the international scene. It's kind of like how we, we had a little bit of peace and prosperity under President Trump and now under Joe Blow Biden. Um, it's not. It, it's Everything's deteriorated. During Ahaz's reign, Assyria became a superpower like the U.S. and deported Judah's sister kingdom, Israel, in 722 B.C. But Ahaz saw Syria and Israel as greater threats. Isaiah tried to reassure Ahaz, asking only that he have faith in God, but Ahaz refused. Later in 701 B.C., during Hezekiah's reign, Assyria ravaged the Judean countryside and Jerusalem itself almost fell. Again, Isaiah preached a message of hope for a repentant Judah who would trust in the Lord. Isaiah, I'm oh, sorry, exactly when Isaiah's career ended is not known, but a Jewish tradition, which may be reflected in Hebrews 11:37, says that he was a martyred that he was martyred by King Manasseh. And remember, we spoke about him. Um, Abraham, I think, had a run-in with him back in uh, Genesis or Exodus. I think it was Genesis. Hezekiah's son. Um, so King Manasseh was uh, Hezekiah's son. To view Isaiah merely as a preacher about events during his lifetime is to have only half the picture. 
because he is perhaps best known for his prophecies about the intermediate, intermediate and distant future. Isaiah 1 through 39 deals primarily with events during the prophet's lifetime, but the latter part of the book is all concerned with the future. Isaiah 40 begins a major section that looks ahead to Judah's return from Babylonian exile in the 6th century BC. The later chapters also appear beyond Isaiah's day, but the time period cover, covered is more difficult to determine. The New Testament finds in many of these passages, including some in the first part of the book, prophecies about the Messiah. The most striking of these relate to Jesus' miraculous birth in Isaiah 7, 14, and his suffering and death, Isaiah 53. Christians, therefore, have found Isaiah to be one of the most valuable books of the Old Testament. Chapter 1, The Rebellion of God's People the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons, I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manager. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with inequity. Offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers, are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would be like Gomorrah. So that kind of paints a, a pretty bleak picture there. I mean, we saw what, so well, we didn't see, but we read what how Sodom was, how Gomorrah was, and what God did to them, leaving only the only lot to, in his family to escape, and his wife didn't because she turned around. She did what she was told not to do, just like Eve did what she was told not to do. And, you know, we think about, like, a lot of this can relate to now with what we're seeing. You know, our country, our world, you know, a lot of people have fallen away from Christianity, from Jesus. In New York City, they did the statue of uh, Ruth Ginsburg and... I tell you, that thing looks like Medusa. I don't know if y'all have seen the pictures of that or not. It's sick. It's satanic. And we really need to, um, we got to stand up to this. We've got to advocate more as Christians. We've got to do more. What that is, I don't know. I don't know. And I know it's not violence. Um, God has told us, the Bible's scriptures told us, it's not going to be with violence this time. Not, not in the way we think. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come back in a 
I don't know. In my opinion, I think Jesus is going to come back in a whirlwind of a powerhouse of a, I don't know, like the, like a, the worst hurricane and event imaginable. He's going to come down with wrath so furious and so vengeful that, you know, I mean, I don't want to be around when that happens. A lot of people's like, yeah, we're in the end times. I wish you'd go ahead and end it now. And, but to be honest, when that comes, I mean, that's it guys. And I got a lot more, a lot more that God wants me to do. So I'm ready for that. Though I see us in there, maybe there's something that, you know, God will lead us to, um, and the Holy Spirit will lead us to that will help us uh, be able to reach some of these people. And that's why I think it's important to pray for our enemies. Um, either pray for hardened hearts or pray that they repent, you know, and and see. But we have to pray for them because God and Jesus is our only way here. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling assemblies, I cannot endure inequity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing, bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you couldn't obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become a harlot. She who was full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers, your silver has become dross. Your drink diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow plea come before them. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, declares, Ah, I will be relieved of my adversaries and avenge myself on my foes. I will also turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as would lie. And I will remove all your alloy. Then I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning after that you will be called the city of righteousness a faithful city zion will be redeemed with justice and her repentant ones with righteousness but transgressors and sinners will be crushed together 
and those who forsake the Lord shall come to an end. Surely you will be ashamed of the oaks of which you have desired, and you will be embarrassed at the gardens which you have chosen. For you will be like an oak whose leaf fades away, or as a garden that has no water, and the strong man will become tender, his work also a spark. Thus they shall both burn together, and there will be none to quench them. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and read a section out of the Founder's Bible. The Remedy for Restoration, Righteous Judges. As the righteous judge of all the earth, God has much to say about judges and the judiciary, and these are not trivial matters. He declares, Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. That's from Psalm 2, 10 to 12. Similarly, he instructs judges, Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for a man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. Second Chronicles Sorry, Second Chronicles nineteen six through seven. In Isaiah chapter one, as Israel is at a period of rebellion and decline, one of the remedies for restoration that God gives to Isaiah is to call for a change in their judges. That if that if they would return to the type of judges they had in their earlier years, then Jerusalem, their national capital, would again become a center of righteousness, as God explains that we just read in um, Isaiah one twenty six. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors or attorneys as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. The clear principle to note is the righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges, and the revealed promise is that Zion will be redeemed with a return of justice, a return to justice, in verse 27. Looking at the present state of decline in our own nation, we would do well to understand the wisdom of God's proposition as he invites Isaiah to approach the heavenly bench. Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, crimson they will be they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Our founding fathers understood the potential power of judges and the great and lasting consequences that could occur through an improper use of judicial power. In fact, of the 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence listing why America separated from Great Britain, four addressed the abuse of British judicial power. Taxation without representation was mentioned only once. Knowing the potential power of judges to do damage, with prudent foresight, the Founding Fathers placed numerous restraints upon the judiciary within the Constitution, resulting in four fundamental judicial principles meant to guide and protect us from their abuse of power. 
Unfortunately, with most citizens being completely unaware of these constitutional restraints, it would seem those protective moorings have been cast off, allowing the American judiciary to drift well off course from the original design. As such, America clearly demonstrates the truth of Isaiah 126, that the righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges, for it has been judges and not legislators who have imposed on America the great majority of its unrighteous policies. And we're seeing that in um, our Supreme Court. Big time. Um, in my opinion, from what I've seen and the decisions, the Runson case, you know, there's a lot of stuff that our Supreme Court justices aren't aren't holding up to. And, you know, I talked about it on knickknacks one night about the symbology. And, you know, our SCOTUS building is full of pagan symbolism. Um, it's really bad. I, I'd have to go back and pull it. It's in the knickknacks room. But it is in there about how the, um, the rotunda has a lot of the, um, the, I think it's the Greek gods. I think Venus is up there. Mercury. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in our rotunda at the um, Capitol and at the Supreme Court on the, um, the face of the building carved in the, mar I think it's marble, whatever they used, um, whatever rock they used to build it. Um, it's carved up there. Like there's Moses and oh God, Confucius is on one side and another one that starts with an S. I can't remember it, but I've got the pictures in knickknacks, marble granite. Yeah. I'm thinking it's, I'm thinking it may be granite, but it, marble, uh, they usually use marble for a lot of that. So I don't know. Yeah, the Vatican is too, but for the U.S. to be separate from, you know, supposed to be separate from Rome, we're not. America's not. For example, abortion on demand was not instituted by legislatures, but rather by judges who decreed it to be a national policy. In fact, the Supreme Court had to strike down anti-abortion laws in 46 states to achieve its will. Similarly, the movement for same-sex marriage was initiated by judicial decisions, demanding that state legislators set aside four centuries of American laws defining marriage as the union of man and woman and a woman. Likewise, prohibitions on prayer before school, athletic events, and graduations, and exclusions of the Ten Commandments or other religious acknowledgments in classrooms are the result not of legislators but of judges. This truly affirms what God said in Isaiah 126. The righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges. If we are going to find our way back, we need to lay hold of God's remedy for restoration and seek to return to the kind of judges we had at first. The founders established four constitutional precepts that Americans must regain if we are to see the unrighteousness imposed on America through the judiciary reversed. As we approach the bench, come let us reason together. Constitutional principle number one. The three branches are not co-equal. 
Once the Constitution was finished, the Federalist Papers were written to explain its clauses and concepts, according to Founding Father James Madison. The Federalists may fairly enough be regarded as the most authentic exposition of the heart of the Federal Constitution as understood by the body which prepared and the authority which accepted it. The Federalist Papers, in establishing the relative weight assigned to each branch, declared that the legislative authority necessarily predominates and that the judiciary is beyond comparison the weakest of the three departments of power. In fact, the Constitution made the judiciary so weak that the general liberty of the people can never be endangered from that quarter because the judiciary judiciary has no influence over either the sword or the purse no direction either of the strength or of the wealth of the society and can take no acts active resolution whatever it may truly be said to have neither force nor will the constitution makes the legislative branch the most powerful one and the judiciary branch beyond comparison the weakest one Clearly, the Founding Fathers did not make the three branches co-equal. In fact, the word co-equal appears nowhere in the Constitution. Constitutional principle number two, the judiciary, judiciary is not independent. Judges often assert the so-called independence of the judiciary, but this is not a constitutional principle. As Constitution signer John Dickinson affirmed, what innumerable acts of injustice may be committed and how fatally may the principles of liberty be sapped by a succession of judges utterly independent of the people. If any branch was to be independent, it certainly was not to be the judiciary, as Thomas Jefferson reminded one judge. It should be remembered as an axiom of eternal truth in politics that whatever power in any government is independent is absolute also. Independence can be trusted nowhere but within the people in mass. The founders designed American government so that none of its three branches would be independent from the people. In fact, the only constitution, the only constitution in the world in use today that is older than the U.S. Constitution is the Massachusetts Constitution, written by notables such as Sam Samuel Adams, John Hancock, John Adams, Robert Treat Paine, and other signers of the Declaration. That Constitution announces. All power residing originally in the people and being derived from them, the several magistrates and officers of government vested with authority, whether legislative, executive, or judicial, are their substitutes and agents that are at all times accountable to them. American government was designed so that judges, legislators, and executives were all accountable to the people, not above or independent of them. The Constitution did not make the judiciary an independent branch.
Constitutional principle number three, judges do not have lifetime appointments. Now, let me rephrase, let me say that again. Judges do not have lifetime appointments. Americans are regularly told that judges have lifetime appointments, but the U.S. Constitution disagrees. In fact, much of the original American opposition to British judicial abuse was directed at two fundamental flaws of the British system. One, its judges were independent of the people, and two, its judges had lifetime appointments. The Americans therefore ensured that when they created their own judiciary, these two causes of judicial corruption would be precluded. The Constitution therefore explicitly declares, the judges both of the supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices during good behavior, Article 3, Section 1. Notice, there is no mention in this clause or any other in the Constitution of a lifetime appointment. Judges are only to hold are only told that they can hold their offices during good behavior, that as long as a judge behaves himself and remembers his limited role, that he can continue to serve. But if they forget, they can be removed, which the Founding Fathers did on several occasions. How did they remove judges who violated the standard of good behavior? As John Ewing Calhoun, a U.S. Senator under President Thomas Jefferson, explained, We all fully and at once understand what is good behavior. Sorry, I was reading the chat. Um, no, Wendy, that was, uh, she was hearing my rooster here. They, it always crows during the, no matter what I'm doing on, on that morning or afternoon podcast, it will crow. The nighttime, only reason why it doesn't is because it's asleep. It still crows at night. We all fully and at once understand what is good behavior in a judge. If he acts contrary, it would be misbehavior, and the Constitution in that case has given a remedy by impeachment. Today, we have been wrongfully told, and usually by judges, that judicial impeachment can be undertaken only in the most extreme circumstances, such as if a judge commits rape or murder. But the Founding Fathers made the threshold for impeachment very low and believed it to be a necessary tool to control judges. So strongly did they believe this that they placed six separate clauses in the Constitution either directly or indirectly addressing impeachment. No other subject in the Constitution receives this much attention. Historic causes for the impeachment of federal judges have included things such as Issuing an order that contradicted an act of Congress, judicial high-handedness, drunkenness, blasphemy, excluding evidence from a trial, profanity, etc. These offenses certainly are not crimes, but they are definitely a breach. They definitely are breaches of good behavior, and thus were sufficient cause for the removal of a judge. Founding Father. Justice James Iredell, placed on the U.S. Supreme Court by President George Washington, strongly avowed that the use of impeachment was necessary to ensure good government. Every government requires it, impeachment. Every man ought to be amendable for his conduct. It will not only, it will be not only the means of punishing misconduct, but it will prevent misconduct. It will prevent misconduct. 
A man in public office who knows that there is no tribunal to punish him may be ready to deviate from his duty. But if he knows there is a tribunal for that purpose, although he may be a man of no principle, the very terror of punishment will perhaps deter him. The Constitution does not give judges lifetime appointments, but it does give means by which judges who do not observe the constitutional standard of good behavior can be removed. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Mary, mine will. If they get alarms, they will crow at night. Yeah, he's at the he's at the steps waiting on treats. I have spoiled chickens. Constitutional principle number four. Judges do not have the final word about the constitutionality of a law. Today, citizens are told that it is the unique responsibility of judges to review laws and that the judges have the final word over whether or not a law is constitutional. While the founding fathers agreed that judges did not have a right to review laws, they disagreed that it was a unique responsibility of the judiciary. As Thomas Jefferson affirmed, each of the three departments has equally the right to decide for itself what is its duty under the Constitution without any regard to what the others may have decided for themselves under a similar question. Founding Father James Madison agreed. Nothing has yet been offered to invalidate the doctrine that the meaning of the Constitution may as well be ascertained by the legislative as by the judicial authority. Officials in the legislative and executive branches had taken oaths to uphold the Constitution, not necessarily the decisions of the judges, but as, for Jefferson, as Jefferson explained, judges are definitely fallible. Our judges are as honest as other men and not more so. They have, with others, the same passions for party, for power, and the privilege of their corpse. Course. It's C-O-R-P-S, but Southerners don't pronounce that right. It's like y'all. We use y'all instead of you all. Yeah, it's a real rooster. My show is, is the variety show to where if you want to hear nature and wildlife, you will. So if you get to wanting some animals, which I know, Wendy, you've got, you've got chickens. But anybody else that don't have chickens that wants chickens... They could just come tune in and listen here and get to have all of my wonderful sound effects. Yes, Wild Kingdom. It, it, girl, and all this rain that we had, like, we did get some sunshine last week, but we've had a lot of rain, a lot. And so we've had a big mucky mess. My phone has fallen into muck and mud at least at least 10 times. And I, I, I'm trying to not exaggerate. But not give too few times. I'm, I'm horrible on a phone. Okay, the founders did permit judicial review, judges reviewing the constitutionality of laws, but they strictly limited the role of the judiciary when doing so. 
For example, the judiciary was allowed to judge laws only against the narrow, specific, self-evident wording of the Constitution and nothing more, as affirmed in the Federalist Papers. There is not a syllable in the plan, in parentheses, here in brackets, is the Constitution as the plan. Oh, that's funny. The plan. Hey, Cole, you still here? Here's our, the plan. All you, all, all the Q followers, here's the plan. The plan is the Constitution, according to this. There's not a syllable in the plan which directly empowers the national courts to construe the laws according to the spirit of the Constitution. The founders understood that under a broad rather than narrow judicial review, the judiciary could become policy makers, something they explicitly forbade. Oh, you don't want to trust the plan? Uh, in this case, I like the plan. The Constitution as the plan? Yeah, see, we're on the same page. As Constitution signer Rufus King affirmed, the judges must interpret the laws. They ought not to be legislators. Constitution signer Alexander Hamilton agreed, declaring that the judiciary was forbidden to substitute its own pleasure to the constitutional intentions of the legislator. Today, however, the current judiciary disdains the original plan and regularly exerts both force and will. It has wrongly become dominant policy-making branch of government. The founders strenuously objected to judges having the final word on a law. In fact, Thomas Jefferson issued numerous warnings concerning this. The opinion which gives to the judges the right to decide what laws are constitutional and what not, not only for themselves and their own sphere of action, but for the legislator, and executive also in their spheres would make the judiciary a despotic branch. You seem to consider the judges as the ultimate arbitrators of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism of an oligarchy. The Constitution has erected no such single tribunal. Another quote of his, the Constitution on this hypothesis is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form they please. That's one of my favorite ones there, because that's what they do. It's like the, the clay potter and, and the clay, except for the, you know, the weight of the sand and stuff, except for these guys are, are the mirror, the bad mirror of it you know that the the clay pots was was god's version and this is evil's version it has long been in my opinion been my opinion that the germ of dissolution of our federal government is in the constitution of the federal judiciary working like gravity by night and by day gaining a little today and a little tomorrow and advancing its noiseless sleep step like a thief over the field of jurisdiction until all shall be usurped. Now that, that there, that quote from him, um, and this is from Thomas Jefferson, that the germ of dissolution of our federal government is in the constitution of the federal judiciary, working like gravity by night and by day, 
Okay, so all of the things that they've been doing illegally and corrupt has happened at night. Um, I'm sure many of y'all have seen that. Like January 6th, for example, 2021. Um, they took that vote. They come back into the chambers at night. And it was in the middle of the night. They took the vote um, here recently on Kevin McCarthy. was in the middle of the night. The... The bills that they pass in the middle of the night, which thankfully I did like that he's, I'm assuming I understood it correctly, but um, they can't do that anymore. And part of the rules they have to do is do one bill and they have to give them time, I think, to, uh, to look it over, which they should. They can't sign stuff and not know what they're signing. Gaining a little today and a little tomorrow. And see, so that's what they did. They, they chip away a little bit at a time. Um, and, and take away a little right here, a little right there. And so it's, it's slow. And we get so aggravated that we don't pay attention. Or there's, you know, others that are not even, they don't even care. I don't understand why they don't care. It bothers me that they don't care. And I just pray that one day they will but you know it's they're chipping away a little at a time the constitution does not give judges the final word over which laws are constitutional as james madison affirmed refusing or not refusing to execute a law to stamp it with its final character makes the judiciary department paramount in fact to the legislator which was never intended and can never be proper Citizens must shake off these four judicial myths if they are to regain both the liberties and the constitutional republic God has entrusted into our hands. So what is the remedy? A return to justice and to the kind of righteous judges we had at first? Because Isaiah 126 affirms that judges directly affect the righteousness of a nation, state, or community in choosing a president, senator, governor, representative, or other official First and foremost, among the consideration considerations is to what type of judges that leader will appoint or confirm. Ezra 7.25 instructs leaders to appoint magistrates and judges who know the laws of your God. And if this practice is not followed, the righteousness of the nation or estate will be adversely affected. Remember, any president will be gone in eight years or less, but his judges may remain on the bench for decades and their influence can be far greater than his. So too with governors and other officials. God's expressed desire to Isaiah, though our sins be as scarlet, he can make them white as snow. If we would consent and obey, choosing leaders who will appoint judges who can perpetuate biblical standards of righteousness, we will eat the best of the land. The, al the other al alternative is not something we want to know. All right, back to Isaiah. Um, chapter 2. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. And all the nations will stream to it. 
And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For thou hast abandoned thy people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with influences from the east. They are soothsayers like Philistines, and they strike bargains with the children of foreigners. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land has also been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made, so the common man has been humbled, and the man of importance has been abased. But do not forgive them. Enter the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty. And against everyone who is lifted up that he may be abased. And it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up. Against all the oaks of Bashan. Against all the lofty mountains. Against all the hills that are lifted up. Against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft, and again, and the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. But the idols will completely vanish, and men will go into caves of the rocks, and into holes of the ground. Before the terror of the Lord, and before the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble. In that day, men will cast away to the moles and the bats, their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, in order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs. Before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble, stop regarding man whose breath of life is in his nostrils, for why should he be esteemed? Chapter 3 for behold, the Lord of God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water, the mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and the honorable man, the counselor and the expert artisan, and the skillful enchanter, and I will make their I will make mere lads their princes. And capricious children will rule over them, and the people will be oppressed, each one by another and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder and the inferior against the honorable. When a man lays hold of his brother in his father's house, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our ruler, and these ruins will be under your charge. On that day he will protest, saying, I will not be your healer, for in my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You should not appoint me ruler of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because of their speech, because their speech 
and their actions are against the Lord, to rebel against his glorious presence. The expression of their faces bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Say to the righteous that it will go well with them, for they will eat the fruit of their actions. Woe to the wicked, it will go badly with him, for what he deserves will be done to him. Oh, my people, their oppressors are children, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. The Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your house. houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are proud and walk with heads held high and seductive eyes and go along with menacing steps and tinkle the bangles on their feet. Therefore, the Lord will afflict the scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare. In that day, the Lord will take away their beauty of their anklets, headbands, crescent ornaments, dangling earrings, bracelets, veils, headdresses, ankle chains, sashes, perfume boxes, amulets, finger rings, nose rings, festival robes, outer tunics, cloaks, money purses, hand mirrors, undergarments, turbans, and veils. Now it will come about that instead of a sweet, of sweet perfume, there will be putrefaction. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of a well-set, instead of well-set hair, a plucked out scalp. Instead of fine clothes and donning a sackcloth and branding instead of beauty. Your men will fall by the sword and your mighty ones in battle. And her gates will lament and mourn, and deserted she will sit on the ground. All right, I'm going to stop there at chapter 3. We'll pick up chapter 4 on Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to mute it for just a second. Um, I need to blow my nose. And I'll give y'all a chance to be able to put any prayer requests in the chat um that you have i saw the one earlier i don't do whatsapp and i'm not giving out any of my numbers on here to people i don't know i'm sorry but that's just my standard of safety so but i will pray for you jj3041819y we will pray for you okay All right, guys. Well, if we don't have any other prayer requests, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out and play some music. 
I do want to thank you all for being here, for listening, and and joining me live. For those of you that are going to be listening later, thank you. Um, I, I understand my time of day is not great for everyone, and this is more of a show that you can just listen to whenever. If y'all take a second, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this ability to come together and and worship together in this space to to come closer in your knowledge. And I thank you, Father, for directing me to the Founder's Bible this morning on that passage on the judiciary. Um, I think that will bring us a lot of clarity, Father, and, and abilities to be able to know which steps we are to take as we've been praying for, for answers and, and ways to correct this. I think we may have one. So thank you for that, Father. Father, I lift up um Wendy's brother and you know his need and I just pray that you meet those needs for JJ 304 uh sh they've got an infection in the intestines and I pray father that you heal those um for all of our brothers and sisters that are just struggling or going through something or or have unspoken prayer requests father i pray that you you be with them you bless them and you remind them that they're not alone no matter what they are not alone because you're always with them father for for all of our soldiers that are deployed i i lift them up to you that you continue to be with them and their families and bless them that we know this war that's going on is just a money machine for politicians but these troops they they make nothing and they sacrifice everything so father they they deserve so much more than what they're getting and i just pray that you you bless them with what they they need and meet all of their needs father for those of our enemies who who wish us harm and who are devising crazy concocted plans like the Pelosi's footage of all that craziness father i pray that you harden their hearts and uh, and and make them see make them realize what they're doing is wrong and and make them humble themselves to repent and to seek your face we need our land healed father and and you're the only one that's going to be able to do it so we ask that you do that and for our children, that you protect them. There's so many people trying to harm our children. Your children. Your beautiful gifts. And we just pray for your your justice against those who are seeking to harm them. And the rescue for the children that are being abused. Thank you for everything that you've given us. For the breath in our lungs. For the ability to be able to speak and hear for our vision to be able to see all of the wonderful beauty that you've created, Father. Let us see that and not all of the evil. Let us use all of that good energy, Father, and that, that good stuff that you're giving us, that you're filling us with. Let us use that to keep our strength going and to do your work, to glorify your mighty name, because it's, it's all about Jesus. It's about helping people find Jesus and, and know him. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
All right, guys. I got a good song to go with this one. This is uh, Jesus Paid It All, Kim Walker-Smith. Well, I say it is if it plays. Oh, come on. There we go.
Hi, this is Todd Fields with Worship Circle. I want to thank you for watching the live recording from our rest retreat. This thing we do call Worship Circle is for you as a worship leader. We know that ministry can be taxing on you and your family, and oftentimes we need a place to jump into to be known, to be loved on, to be cared for. Our groups are open now. You can apply at worshipcircle.com forward slash program. You can get more information there. And we'd love for you to pray about it and apply. Your application is not a commitment. It's just a chance for us to see you do what you do, where God has you planted right now. But we want you to know that you're loved and not alone. That's our purpose. And that we're with you, even though we can't see you, all around the world, one army of worshipers for the kingdom of God in our lifetime, joining heaven and earth. We care about you. We're here for you. Apply now at worshipcircle.com forward slash program.